It's Jim, it's the World of Bonds. It's Monday the 6th of March 2023. Professional investors only, never ever investment advice. Now it's payrolls week again. Remember that when January's payrolls number came in last month, uh, it caused a big acceleration in that sell-off of short-dated government bonds around the world. So looking at the WIRP, the WERP function on Bloomberg, uh, probably my most used function these days, tells you what money markets are pricing in for central bank rate hiking or rate cutting activity um, for the months and quarters to come. Um, looking at that at the moment, the expectation for the year end, December 23, Fed funds rate is, well, it had been around 4.5% Fed funds and it had been stuck around that level, plus or minus uh, you know, 20 basis points or so, really from, I guess, September onwards last year and all the way through to last month. Um, coming into payrolls last month, it was actually marginally lower than 4.5%. It was at 4.4%. Now, though, we're at 5.3%. So in the last month alone, we've added not quite 100 basis points, but a good 75 basis points, at least three additional rate hikes by the end of the year have been added on. That's not just about that solitary jobs report that we got that was much stronger than expected. But remember, we've also had lots of things like PMIs coming in strong, those purchasing managers, indices. China have produced some strong economic data um, and central bank rhetoric has been you know, on their kind of 5% plus and staying there uh, bandwagon for a while as well. And that's all adding up in the market's mind to this no landing narrative dominating. Um, and of course, that puts markets at a lot of risk. When a narrative like that dominates like this, then there's a new vulnerability um, to news that comes out and might be a little bit different. So the forecast for February's non-farm payroll is an additional 215,000 new jobs and an unemployment rate of 3.4%. Now to throw some early cold water on the economic acceleration theme, Morgan Stanley thinks that the recent data that we've been celebrating um, is really quite freakish on account of a, a couple of things. Firstly is around seasonal adjustment issues and the fact that January is such an outlier in many, for many reasons we'll talk about in a second that you can't trust the seasonal adjustment of, uh, of economic data around January too much. Or, you know, you can most of the time, but be prepared to be significantly surprised. Secondly, we've got the warm weather effect that we know, um, uh, particularly in Europe, we've talked about before, uh, but also elsewhere in the world. And then there's the labour hoarding argument, which is actually um, in, in a world where it's difficult to hire um, what well, you perceive it to be difficult to hire. Companies are saying, well, we're not going to make people redundant just in case this is a permanent feature of the economy. We're going to just hoard labour. We know we'd rather have fewer workers on the books at the moment, but um, um, who knows what's going to happen. We're going to wait and see and just keep them on the books. So those arguments Morgan Stanley are making for actually we may be disappointed um, around forthcoming data, around the no landing scenario. Remember the, the very sharply 
downward sloping inverted yield curves would suggest that the you know the bond market has been predicting a recession for a long time for this year and that lags and those sorts of things may well mean that we we do get one and that economically that relationship between an inverted yield curve and recession is extremely strong but you know put into one side put that to one side for a second let's quickly have a look at the seasonal adjustment thing because I think you'd be surprised about when you see some of the economic data, including the jobs numbers, just how much uh, of adjustments are being made. And it's not just seasonal adjustments. I've mentioned in a previous podcast before about something called the births and deaths model, where bureaucrats effectively in the statistical office will make some guesses, informed guesses, um, about how many new businesses have been created, how many businesses have got gone out of business over the period, births and deaths. And so there are lots of assumptions in the data and there's a lot of seasonal adjustment. Let's just focus on that seasonal adjustment then when it comes to non-farm payrolls. And this is based on those Morgan Stanley, um, that note I mentioned earlier about you know them thinking that things are, are not quite as strong as um, the market does. So when we got February uh, number coming in, um, which is coming in on Friday. If it was completely unadjusted um, and we got 800,000 new jobs created, remember the markets predict, well, forget that for a second. On an unadjusted basis, 800,000 new jobs equates to zero on the reported number. So effectively, to get to that 215,000 new jobs that will be the headline number reported, we'll need over a million new jobs actually created because of the seasonal adjustment effects. Um, Which, you know, nice to know it's consistent year after year that there are seasonal adjustments, but they are big and powerful. And when you think about January in particular, which was the number that surprised markets, and then you see the actual scale of the unadjusted numbers, um, you'll see that there's a lot of room for error there. So in January, you would need... 3 million job losses so in reality you'd have 3 million people losing their jobs and the headline number that would be reported there would be zero so effectively the seasonal adjustment is saying that january is always extremely weak for data for job losses for reasons that you know should be fairly obvious retailers laying off all their um, christmas workers warehouses no longer delivering christmas presents Um, Also, the weather means there's little activity on construction sites. So any, you know, you you don't get someone in to to, to lay a patio when it's uh, covered in snow. All of those sorts of January related stuff. Remember, this doesn't include farm activity. So uh, it doesn't include the fact that there's not much farming going on in January. But there may be a bit of knock on on that from kind of secondary activity. Anyway. 3 million job losses equals a zero number. Uh, In February, 800,000 job creation equals a zero number. So there's a big swing and lots of possibilities for for error there. So anyway, we'll find out on Friday what the answer is. Um, It it does feel, you know, I I think Morgan Stanley are probably slightly pessimistic. The the range of data that's coming in stronger and the kind of knock-on effect on that um, to markets in terms of confidence around uh, activity um, probably means that, that, that there is some real strength out there. 
Staying with central banks, though, a good speech last week from Andrew Hauser. He's the executive director for markets at the Bank of England. And he was talking about the Trustonomics LDI episode that hit the gilt market in particular last year. Uh, Bank of England member intervened buying up to £19 billion pounds worth of gilts and index-linked bonds. Uh, but Hauser gave the warning that markets can't and shouldn't rely on that kind of bailout again or every time something bad happens um, participants he said need to learn to self-insure otherwise to quote we're destined to proceed messily from crisis to crisis um, he did talk about though a non-bank borrowing facility perhaps being appropriate so one of the problems with the ldi crisis was that you know pension funds had lots of assets they weren't um they weren't insolvent but they were illiquid. They couldn't sell those assets quickly enough to raise money. Whereas could they have lent those assets to the Bank of England as a kind of lender of last resort against some cash to help meet their margin requirements? Now, for pension funds, that was legally pretty difficult to do. And I think that Hauser um, points this out. You know, I think that for many pension funds, legally they're unable to lend their assets and you'd need a lot of changes made to market structure to allow them to do that. But you know, lightning doesn't generally strike twice in the same place and maybe it is important for the Bank of England to set up some sort of non-bank ability to access liquidity against high quality assets so some sort of repo facility i think we shouldn't be surprised in seeing finally the weekend ft is my favorite newspaper of the week to be honest um good review in there of a new book called manchester unspun pop prosperity and power in the original modern city by andy spinoza about how a city's cultural heritage like manchester's um, especially around pop music and club culture etc etc can be levered i think in, in the case of the book not read it i've ordered it of course um perhaps neg- negatively levered to create a commercial property boom perhaps it seems to be one of the themes of the book from that review but anyway we'll find out when it arrives on my doorstep from amazon tomorrow the other good thing in the paper i, I really enjoyed was the argentina diary by harriet agnew where um, she talks about um, trying to get hold of some pesos using US dollars in Argentina, remember, which is a very high inflation economy. Inflation uh, last year nearly 100%, um, and a culture of inflation there, which has led people wanting to have US dollars over than pesos. So Argentinians have about 10% of all the dollars in the world live in Argentina, which is about 20% of all those dollars that exist outside of the US. So it's a real um, dollarized economy in, in many ways. But I didn't know things like there are different exchange rates depending on the denomination of the US dollars you have. So 100 US dollars gets you more pesos than $250 or $25. And the, the you know how pristine the notes are as well gets you more pesos. Um, the the uh, article talks about the different black currency market rates, the dollar blue, the underground economy, and the fact that there are 15 official different exchange rates depending on which industry you're in. So there's a soy dollar for um, soy exports, a Qatar dollar for tourists going to the World Cup last year, and it says even a Coldplay dollar, a special exchange rate for paying foreign entertainers that made a name for itself when the band had a string of sellout concerts last year. So, uh, yeah, as I say, great read and uh, worth worth reading um, to try and uh, 
get get a grip with what's going in Argentina. It quotes Simon Kuznets, the Nobel Prize winner, who famously said there are four types of countries in the world, developed, undeveloped, Japan and Argentina. Have good weeks. Speak to you later.